Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Now, we were going to wait till the end of the Georgia TCU game, but Steve, I think we're safe as we record this podcast on uh, late Monday night. It's 51 to 7, soon to be 52. I was going to say, pending the extra point, and we've got uh, 17 minutes to go. So, it's a lot of time. 45 points in 17 minutes? Uh, Maybe not, perhaps not, but, you know, I I don't want to slight the TCU fans. My goodness, what a beatdown. I mean, I you know, first of all, when Las Vegas tells you that a team is a prohibitive favorite, believe them, okay? Because there was a bunch of money that came in late on TCU because they were like, wow, that's a lot of points, man, 13, 14 points. Come on, what are we doing? Yeah, that's that's why they said it there. They were actually being kind to TCU. Um, I would have taken Georgia in the points all day. Yeah, I mean, wow. What what a what a display, what a show, and and – you know, in his 17th year, Stetson Bennett, I think, is going to win yet another MVP. He's got more than Aaron Rodgers at this point. Well, he's been the MVP game. of all four college football playoff games that he's played That's in, crazy, assuming he man. wins the tonight. Yeah, if they could just hang on. My goodness. Well, back-to-back national championships are rare, right? The last one, I think, to do it was Nick Saban back in, like, early, mm-hmm. well, and Kirby, Kirby Smart was the win. defensive coordinator. That's correct, and uh, there haven't been many teams do it in the last, I don't know, 50 years, really. But you would say you'd have to now put Georgia on par, I think, with Alabama in terms of like the expectations are, yeah, they can win a national championship any year because they're getting those kinds of recruits. Mm-hmm. Um, they've now gone back-to-back. Incredible what Kirby Smart has, has done. I think they've passed um, Clemson and is now Bama-Georgia, to pick your order. Yeah. I would agree, yeah. I think Ohio State-Clemson are in that next tier. Yeah. And, of course, you know, Michigan's been there two years in a row. I don't know if that will mm-hmm. happen or sustain itself without Harbaugh, if he does stay or doesn't stay or whatever restrictions they may have. But, yeah, um, it's uh, it was a good little story. Like, TCU was a really good little story, right? And however they lost to Michigan, I think Michigan probably had more to do with it in some ways than TCU with the mistakes they made and the close calls and things. But – they're just, you know, they're just simply outclassed. I mean, there's, there's just no other way to say it. It's like, what a what a machine, what a, you know, a well-oiled machine, especially on offense. Todd Munkin, our buddy from the, the Bucks that I've known very well for these years, I don't know the process that well. I know, like, when coaches are interviewed for head coaching jobs and things like that, it happens, you know, the timing isn't great. So, like, you're, if you're going to be in the, in the tournament, if you're in the natty, then you've got to, either do double duty, which is really, really hard, and, and the school that you're working for isn't too keen because you're more worried about recruiting you know, players to that school when you should be preparing a game plan for a, a game like this. Um, and on the other hand, you know, you, you don't want to shortchange the, the, the school that you have that's, that's trying to win a championship. So I don't know. They, they need to do something a little different about the hiring process. I know they used to have that problem 
in the NFL with you know teams mm-hmm. that were in the playoffs. You know what would, what would really help, and I guess they're going to get to the tournament at some point where they expand it. But what what would help is if there wasn't all this time between the end of the regular season and the in the championship. You know well, what I'm saying? Like e- either that, and there's always going to be that time. At least the way they're laying it out, the national championship is going to be a week later next year, or oh, when, when, not in, when they do this in two years. Or don't have but, a portal, or don't. But Greg Sankey, the head of the the commissioner of the SEC, came out and said, "He goes, maybe we need to push back the start, the early signing period." Yes, and that, yes, because it, it's it's causing ha- coaches. Are, December's are just awful at this point between yeah, bowl prep and playoffs and recruiting and transfer portals and and yeah. you know. So he's come out now, and if, if one of the commissioners of the two biggest conferences, the SEC or Big Ten, start proposing things like that, more than likely something will. Some momentum will be creative, created to work in that direction. And if they, I think if they push that back past all the bowl games and national championships, I yeah, think it would help. I think it would help everybody. Immediacy, right. it, it would help. It would help coaches. It would help schools. It would help uh, hiring recruits. But it would also yeah. help recruits because you know there could be recruits that, for instance, signed at Michigan. If Jim Harbaugh goes pro, yeah, you're signed. Right. I mean, granted, you can transfer now, but. It's you know it's still that process. I I don't think it's doing anybody any service. No, the way it's set no. up now, it's 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 causing a lot more problems and headaches and and that. Yeah. I I think I think it would be best served if all that movement happened after everybody's done. Yeah, no, I agree. Well said. I something's got to change with the scheduling, but uh, what a performance by Georgia! Their offense that's embedded, and of course, Todd Munkin Coleman plays and. Again, TCU just never was in this game and outclassed in so many different ways. But it's just been unfortunate for them because they had a really good season, a Cinderella type season, and uh, it ends in you know embarrassment. I mean, it's fifty-two to seven. We're not in the fourth quarter yet, so hopefully they call off the dogs, pun intended, and bring you know put in some of their I don't know three stars if they got them on the roster anywhere. They, they dress probably one hundred and fifty players, so. We'll see what happens there. We've got an, uh, an exciting mailbag segment for you. Lots of good questions. In fact, we have so many, we'll probably carry them over into the next day as well. Um, I had a chance to be at uh, One Buck Place on Monday afternoon uh, to talk to Todd Bowles. Not really so much a look back at uh, their loss in Atlanta since they didn't really play you know, that many guys very long, um, but more about looking ahead to their game against the Dallas Cowboys. We talked about this the other night, but uh, these two teams are very familiar with each other, having played the season openers the last two years. The, the, you know, two years ago, uh, it was thirty-two twenty-nine. Tom Brady lead them down for a field goal late, and then at the start of the season this year, in Dallas, instead of at Raymond James, it was. Uh, I guess it was the final score was nineteen to three. It was mm-hmm. a sixteen-point win. They got the late touchdown, the one-handed catch by Mike Evans, and the defense dominated. They ran the ball very successfully. Those are the two times they played them. Struggled in the red and zone, now, which has been a problem all year. Yeah, exactly. And that, that was sort of a, a harbinger of things to come is that they, they only had one touchdown. But now, you know, a lot has changed about these two teams, obviously. And with respect to Dallas, they're not playing well. And not that the Bucks are lighting it up per se, but Dallas is really not playing well. I mean, Dak Prescott has had, an interception in the last seven games, and during that stretch he's had 12 interceptions. Um, the defense has given up about 28.5 points a game in the last four games. 
They gave up over 500 yards to Jacksonville several weeks ago. So they're not playing that great. Micah Parsons has cooled off. He's had a sack and a half, I think, in his last six games. Not that he doesn't affect the play because he does, but this is a Dallas team that is not playing very well and has you know, got a, an enormous amount of pressure because they got the star in the helmets because Jerry Jones and I really believe we should win the Super Bowl every year and you know all of that that goes on. So they're going to feel some pressure too. So, you know, we've we've got some time before this game is played on Monday night, which should help the Bucks in terms of potentially healing up a few more players. And in particular, Robert Hainsey is the guy that got hurt, which is really unfortunate because this whole season began to unravel when Ryan Jensen went down the second day of training camp. And then Hainsey, who had never played center, moved from guard to center, has held down that position, gotten better, not spectacular, but serviceable. Offensive lineman, I think, in, in center. Uh, and then he pulls his hamstring. I, hard to know how severe it was. He didn't seem in too much pain after the game in the locker room. But they didn't give us any information. You know, this is kind of a an extended week when you play on Monday night. So the guys will be off today. Uh, they'll come back in for sort of a bonus practice on Wednesday, more of a walkthrough. Then Thursday is sort of like the normal Wednesday practice. And then Friday is like the normal Thursday practice and so on. And, you know, um, they don't play till Monday night, so they, they get the last of the wildcard weekend games anyway on uh, Monday night football. So I think having guys nicked up a little bit, this will be good. Now, the problem is after if you advance, and you'll worry about that when you get to it, but if you were to advance, you're looking at a shorter week on the backside if you get anybody hurt. So that that's the downside. But for now... Um, and Tom Brady said it on his Let's Go podcast. This is about the healthiest they've ever been um, this season. They really do got a lot of guys that are going to be able to play, and hopefully, um, you know that I would include guys like Julio Jones and Vita Vea and those guys that were kind of held out the other night. So we'll see. Um, it's trending the right way for them, and that was that was the bonus of clinching early, clinching against Carolina, then having a game where you could pull guys off the field. They couldn't take everybody off the field. I mean, hell, Antoine Winfield Jr. played the whole game because they ran out of safeties. But they did get good rest and some good work uh, in that game before they pulled the ripcord on them. And, you know, that's that's really what it was for. So we'll talk a lot more about um, the Bucks against the Dallas Cowboys as we move closer into the week. And, um, you know, we got a whole – the great thing is, Steve, you get to stay home Saturday and Sunday and watch playoff games and not worry about playing yourself or going to a game. You can just sit back and enjoy them if you're a Bucks fan and then worry about Monday night. Mm-hmm. And as a fan, and you probably haven't even realized this, the Lightning actually play at 4 o'clock on that Monday. Oh, God, what a sports day. They're in Seattle, so it's you can't go to the game. But it's right, a, uh, but that's awesome. On Martin Luther King Day, they're playing an afternoon game in Seattle, 1 o'clock Seattle time, 4 o'clock Tampa time. So you get the Lightning at 4 and then the Bucks at 8. That's a great sports weekend. You just saddle up to some, I don't know, wing house bar or whatever, or go upstairs or whatever you do. But a great, a great sports day for sure. Assuming, of course, that your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if you're a fan, play well. But we'll see. A lot, a lot of time between now and then. Um, before we uh, get to the mailbag, I want to make sure you guys know how to save money on your electric bill. We've been talking about it long enough. Why won't you pick up the phone? It's called May Electric Solar. They're a family-owned and operated business. They've been installing these solar systems now. Not solar systems. Only the Lord can install those solar electric systems for 12 (laughs) years. 
Uh, well, maybe they could. Uh, there's a lot of these companies out there. May Electric is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year service and warranty, service warranty, and um, workmanship. And it's three decades. Something goes wrong. They're going to take care of it for you. No cost to you. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is what they call the May difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom. May Electrics displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see what they're going to install. And they don't use subcontractors, which is important because all those guys up there, those are Billy May's employees. So you can start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar. Here's the number, 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your life and that of your appliances. It's May Electric Solar. 727-819-2862. All right, I'm just going to guess there's a few questions about the Bucs and maybe coaching or something like that or quarterbacking. I don't know, but let's get started with some mailbag. There are some of those, but we're going to start with the game this coming week. And Luis Mm -hmm. uh, tweeted us, he says, Not a question, but talk me off the ledge and thinking that Monday night's game is a trap game. Bucs feeling a little too confident having beat the Cowboys already. Yeah, I don't think that's possible. Um, and I say that because, I, you know, the one thing that, that you can say about this Bucks team, or, the, or a good portion of it anyway, is that they have a lot of playoff experience now. And what I mean by that is they this is they played, I believe, six postseason games in three years. Um, there were four the first year, two last year. So um, this will be their seventh game. And a lot of these guys are not strangers to playoff pressure. And they know that if you're not on it, you can lose because they've they've been the ones that have gone into places and beaten teams. And by the same token, um, you know, when you have a coverage bust or you have a bunch of bad plays early and you fall behind like they did against the Rams, you can get beaten. They know they've seen both sides of it. So I think they're they're aware that you have to be prepared to play like, you know, it's really um, winner go home and. And you know, I mean, even though they beat Dallas, it, was, it feels like a century ago. They, you know, they didn't play a complete game that game either. They had just the one offensive touchdown. So Dallas is always going to get your attention. They're very talented. They got a lot of skill players, you know, and Ceedee Lamb and Zeke and Pollard, and you know, obviously Dak Prescott. Uh, and everybody knows America's team, you know, and everybody knows Jerry and. He's going to be on the TV crowing, you know, I really believe this is our year, et cetera. And so I, I don't think it's possible. And plus, just look at the regular season. I mean, who couldn't they lose to, you know? We, we've run through the roll call of first-year quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks, bad quarterbacks, P.J. Walker. guys. They lost to, to dudes way less talented than the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott. So if, if this season taught them anything, it's that – they're capable of losing to almost anybody anytime. And I, I cannot believe, I refuse to believe that they're going to take the Cowboys lightly. I don't think it's a trap game. I think there's an awful lot of pressure on Dallas because the expectations are they're going to win, that they are a team that can go to the Super Bowl. And, you know, if they go in and lose to an 8-9 Tampa Bay team, then people will be like, holy moly, like how bad – how bad can the Cowboys be? So the Cowboys are going to feel the pressure. Mike McCarthy could be coaching for his job. Um, I don't. I don't think it's all on the Bucks. I really don't. I think it, it kind of shifts now because everybody's in the same place. It doesn't matter what you did before. 
you're all one and done here. You know, at the end of the afternoon, somebody's season is over, like as in done forever. So, yeah, I don't I don't think they'll take them lightly. All right, Ellis tweeted. He says, what are the Bucks' keys to success if they want to beat the Cowboys on Monday night? Um, well, a lot of it is just sort of what your key to success in any game would be, right? But particularly playoff games. Look, the games that the Bucks have lost in many instances, they beat themselves. You know, you heard the phrase Bucks beating Bucks," and they did it, you know, mostly with turnovers and things like that. So, you know, you remember the Cincinnati Bengals game where they came out and they were on fire and they were up, what, 17 to nothing, I think, fairly quickly, 17 to three at halftime. They look like they're going to go for a 35-point game, big day, uh, you know, for Brady and everything like that. Well, then they came out in the second half and turned it over four times in a, in a span of about 11 plays. And the better teams, like the Bengals, like those other playoff teams that they're going to face, if they get past Dallas in the NFC, they they beat you with that, right? They You don't come back from that against good teams. Some bad teams, you can make mistakes like that, and maybe you get away with them, you know, and you correct them after you win, and you're like, oh, well, we, we you know, we left some points on the board, or we got to protect the ball better, but we won. Yeah, that is not going to happen here. So if the Bucks turn the ball over, uh, fumble the ball, we've seen Chris Godwin now with a couple of fumbles here in the last few games. We've seen Tom Brady throw some picks. If they do that, they'll certainly lose. And Dallas has some ball hawks, you know, in the in that secondary. And of course, Micah Parsons is very, very disruptive. So you can't turn the ball over. I think that that would be number one. Um, the, the other thing that would help, and they just don't do it enough. Although they they got off to a quick start, you know, with the first drive touchdown the other day. They they pulled Brady, so they lost the game. But you need to start fast in games. You know what I mean? Like, it's very hard to chase the score against anybody, much less a good football team. Because the longer you let teams hang around, they're on the road, the crowd starts to turn on their own, and they feel that energy. You know, they feel that nervousness. Um, And so you'd like to see them. They've been a notoriously slow starting team. You know, they just... They, the games they've won, it's been on Tom Brady taking them down the field late in games, four of them this year in the fourth quarter or overtime. And you, this it's possible, but you, it's not a great way to make a living. You, you know, you're going to win some of those games, but again, the better teams are going to bury you um, when you have a bunch of turnovers and you don't start fast. So those two things. And the final thing is seems fairly simple is you've got to protect Tom Brady. You've got to give him time to take his shots down the field. I think Brady will play uh, more wide open. I think he'll go for it. I think he'll take, take the hits a few times um, simply because this is what he came back for. He came back to win a Super Bowl. He didn't come back to, you know, to win the division or, you know, winning the division got you into the postseason, got you a home game. Um, What he wanted was, you know, to get, you know, another ring. So, um yeah it's it's imperative that you know you protect him and give him a chance uh to operate back there and that offensive line I'd be concerned about because I don't I really don't know what the status is is going to be you know with Robert Hainsey I'm pretty sure uh Jensen can't play so you know but you have to find a way to protect Brady cuz he's your best chance of winning no doubt all right, Mark tweeted us. He says, what players do you anticipate playing on Monday night who did not play in the Falcons game? 
Um, all of them, uh, with the possible, let's see if there is any exception really, you know, Ryan Jensen obviously is still on IR. He's in that 21 day window, which ends the 18th. So I, I don't think he's going to play. Hainsey's probably did play, but he's the only one that got hurt. Everybody else I'm told, and Brady said this on his let's go podcast. This is probably the most healthy they've been since the start of the year. And, and it means not just guys coming back and being, you know, being able to play, but maybe being in, in pretty good shape. Like, you know, Julio Jones sat out. I think his knee is going to be well enough for him to max out if he can. Um, Vita Vey is coming back, and that's huge. When you put him next to Akeem Hicks, those two guys, they're, they're a top-five run defense. You know, it just changes everything. And we know Dallas is going to try to run the ball with Zeke and Pollard and those guys. Um, Carlton Davis is going to come back, make that secondary hole. Mike Edwards, safety, going to further make that, that secondary hole. Um who else we got? Mike Evans missed because of an illness. There's a bug going around. You got to hope that that doesn't continue. He should be fine. So really, there's no one that, you know, even Logan Ryan, I think, everybody will try to play this game. I guess Kyle Rudolph might be the one guy who hurt his knee in the game this past game. He had a touchdown catch. Don't know his status. But for the most part, I think all those guys they held out should be go by the time they get to Sunday. So it's a, it's a pretty healthy football team. Michael tweeted, he says, what improvements did the Bucks make throughout the regular season, and what do they still need to improve on to be successful in the postseason? Um, great question. What did they improve on? I think they got better protecting Brady. I think he gained a little bit of trust in his offensive line. Look, in the beginning of the season, they had – you know, Luke got to keep playing guard and he was over his skis. It was a little, wasn't quite ready. He, they said he won the job in training camp and maybe he did, but for six, seven weeks, he hurt them and wasn't quite ready to play. Levert is not an all pro. He fights you. He'll hang in there. He's done a better job. Um, so I think, I think they've made the improvement in, you know, sort of in their protections um, they haven't run the ball particularly well all year, although I think some of that's on the play caller. They don't call a lot of runs. I think they've added a little bit a little bit of speed in Devin Tompkins, too. I like what I saw of him, you know, some jet sweeps and things like that. This team lacks explosiveness. It lacks speed, quite frankly. Even Mike Evans can, you know, once once he gets up there and gets going, he can run by you. Um, but you don't you don't see a lot of a lot of yak in, in you know yards after catch with, with Chris Godwin or with Mike. So you need some explosiveness. I think maybe Tompkins will bring that. And then defensively, I'm, I'm finding them to have fewer breakdowns in the secondary. There's a lot more communication. I just think they're on it better. Um, and again, when Vita and Akeem Hicks play, they did, did do a nice job against the run. Statistics look horrible from this last game because those guys were pulled and Vita wasn't playing at all. Um, but I think they've been fairly sound there. You know, they compete for the ball in the secondary. They need to create more turnovers. They've done that better of late, uh, but it's still not great. So, um, really just sort of protecting Brady and, you know, moving the ball more consistently and, and hopefully getting it in the end zone. I mean, that's, that's the biggest area I think they've been lacking. I think they've played okay defense. I don't think mm-hmm. you can win even eight games. Averaging 18 points a game if you haven't played really good defense. 
So when they're healthy, they're they're adequate that way. And they'll get after Dak, and they might force some interceptions and things like that. Um, but improvements, I mean, I think you get better on the offensive line if you stay together. And I, and I think Brady is starting to develop a little bit of trust. And in any result, it doesn't matter because now he has to go for it. He's in the postseason. This is, this is what coming back was all about. It's about this game, the next one. Um, and for him, if you don't win the Super Bowl, it doesn't matter what round you get bounced because only one team is going to be happy. So he wants to be happy. He wants to move on. And I think the team is better today uh, than it was when they were hitting those bumps like in week three, four, and five. I also think there's been some individual improvements, particularly young guys. Oh, yeah. Rashad White. Yes, uh, absolutely. Starting now. Kate Otten. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen absolutely. him develop a lot. I think you've seen Joe Tryon Shawinka get better as he's been yeah. playing every snap lately. Uh, and Anthony yeah, I think Nelson that's helped. Too. Anthony Nelson has improved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think you've, there's some individual improvements too, particularly among younger players. Right. Good point. And and playing will do that. Although Shawinka just needs to be more consistent. He's, mm-hmm. he's gotten himself in position to make a lot of plays, but he's not yep. getting the quarterback on the ground, which is – Obviously, the whole goal of of, uh, of attacking like that, but he's he's definitely benefited from from the time out there, and um, you know that's a good point. I think I think they have improved by playing for sure. All right, Kenny had tweeted us. He actually did this before the Falcons game. He says, "Now that the Bucks have clinched a playoff spot, do you think Rob Gronkowski will consider coming back for a playoff run?" Well, they say no. Um, when I say they, they had that conversation back in Thanksgiving with Rob actually contacted the Bucks. He told them they were, he was bored. And um, they talked about it a while, and they talked about procedurally what that would look like if he came back. He would need some time to get ready, even though he keeps himself in tremendous shape. But they were like, well, you're going to need a couple of weeks. How about practice squad? And he kind of, eh, I don't want to go practice squad. And, All right, then we'll put you on the 53 you get ready when you get ready. And then at the end of the day, he got cold feet. And 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 the one thing I've been told is that, like, even though he didn't pull the trigger this time, is that next year he may play, which is really weird. You know, take a year off, come back, play two, take a year off. Um, but, you know, what happens is because he's not playing football, his body starts to feel better. And he starts to feel like, hey, I can do this, right? And then he gets into the NFL and he takes a brutal beating and he realizes why he got out in the first place. Um, so I, but I have heard that he might have an interest in playing, and that begs the question: where? And you know, I would think wherever Tom goes, most likely Tampa. If, if that's the case, great. You know, he's from the Buffalo region. Uh, grew up a Bills fan. Maybe there. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, Ghost Narf tweeted. He says, now, let's get into the hard-hitting questions. Are the Bucks going to wear their all-pewter uniforms for the wild card game? Haven't heard that. That would be quite a uh, statement, really. The color rush, the pewter. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that the Bucks' owner's favorite uniform, and if I'm them, that's what I'm wearing. 
because <laughs> they own the team. Their favorite uniform is the red tops, Peter Pants. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could see them wearing that. Uh, I believe... I believe they wore white shirts, Peter Pants. Am I right about that for the Super Bowl? Or maybe yeah, it was they were the white. visiting team, so they were the visiting team, so they had to. So yeah, I I'm pretty you know, usually after October, November they wear the red shirts. Seen them wear white pants on occasion, but not often, which I like the uniform. I think it's clean. But my guess is it'll be it'll be the red tops, Peter Pants. And I have no inside, no intel on that. If I'm wrong, I'm sure Greg Allman or somebody will tweet it out and let me know when they give the combination. But um, the bigger story is, did you catch this the other day? So they were out in um, Atlanta, and on Instagram, Brady put on social media a picture of him in a throwback number 12 jersey. The, the creamsicle was orange, kind of more orangey than creamsicle. Could have been a Doug Williams jersey. I don't know. Or Trent Dilfer, <laughs> but uh, and I thought, hmm, okay. Did they bring so that out likes, for the playoff game? Yeah, right. How cool would that be? <laughs> but if you like that uniform, yeah, you might have to play next season. I listen. I don't know how many they would sell, but suffice to say, if Brady stuck around for one more year just to put those on, Ooh. oh my gosh, <laughs> would that ever, would that ever be a sales pitch? Um, they would they would sell a lot of number twelve Brady jerseys. I just know that, and um, so you know, and they, and by the way, they're 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 pretty nice, you know. Which is really funny because when when the Bucks were awful, they got made fun of so badly with their uniforms, and it was a point of you know emphasis when the Glazers got here. You got to change those uniforms. Those uniforms are horrible. They get laughed at. You got to do something. And the Glazers did a nice job of rebranding it, much like the Rays had, and. Ended up with a color that's not been used in the NFL, like pewter, and you know the red was good for pirates and things like that. Um, but ever since they took them out of service, like the most popular uniform anybody sees when they go on social media, is like this is the Bucks creamsicles, and they're like, "Oh my, I love the creamsicles! It's so awesome!" And they are awesome. But I'm here to tell you, when you're own 27, nobody wants to wear the creamsicles, man. You just look like a clown. Um, so it's funny how perceptions change when you win. All right, speaking of next year, and we'll end on this one. CCC Squad had tweeted us. He says, hey, Rick, I noticed in October you went on the Rich Eisen and Colin Cowherd shows and said that Tom Brady isn't coming back to Tampa. But it seems especially recently all the Tampa Bay beat writers, including you, have changed your tune and that he could be coming back next year. What's changed since October? Well, I don't know the date I went on Rich Eisen, but I will tell you what happened in October. He got divorced. I think he got divorced around the end of October, 28th, 27th, somewhere in there. And they had lost to the Baltimore Ravens, and they had lost two games in like four days, and he sat at his locker and didn't move. And, you know, we wrote all about that sort of, you know, how how he had, uh, on the next day he, be, he became divorced. And, um, you know, they were three and five or something like that at the time. I can't recall what the what the actual record was, but it wasn't good. And he had some reflective moments, you know, then, um, now that that's behind him and he, and he's gotten some wins, he's gotten his team back in the postseason, albeit at eight and nine. I don't know his personal situation all that well. I'm not an expert on it. I know obviously he's got a son in New York with Bridget Moynihan. Um, and that's the oldest Jack. And then Giselle has his other two kids at least part time. Most of the time. I mean, his daughter, Vivi, his son, Benjamin, 
she's got a place somewhere in South Florida, not as far as Miami, but somewhere on the on the coast down there. And, you know, that's a, a very, very fast private jet up to Tampa anytime he needs him here. So, and I've been told this. Look, I, I think, you know, once he got divorced, then playing again probably became um, a bigger option for him. And, and I, again, I don't know that, that there was an ultimatum in his marriage and that's, you know, well, he went back and played. That's why I divorced him. Or, you know, now that I'm, my marriage is over, I might as well play. I don't, I don't know the chicken and the egg part of that. But it does seem to me like that he's more likely to play because it's just him making the decision. And, you know, again, Steve Young was on with him on his Let's Go podcast. And Steve said this during the Monday night game when they were, when the crew was here earlier against the um, Saints. And he goes, I'm telling you, when you quit playing quarterback in the National Football League, Steve Young now, it's like death. And why would anybody run towards death? It's like really dark, Steve. Like, come on, man. <laughs> Lighten up, dude. And and then he went on to explain. He's like, no, man. He goes, like, it doesn't matter. Like, you're never going to be as good at anything. Like, imagine being done with the thing that you're most good at. And anything else you try is just not the same and... You know, so why would you ever want to give that up? For Steve, it was because of health reasons. It was concussions and things like that. They couldn't keep putting him out there. Same with Troy Aikman. But if you have all your mental faculties and you're willing to roll the dice for the 24th season, I think, you know, a lot of those guys would have played if they had that option. And, um, you know, so I think what has happened is I, I think Brady has more options. I think he'll be more tethered to this coast maybe even the state of florida instead of you know there's a lot of speculation well san francisco or you know what about you know las vegas with mcdaniels and i just think that it's too far away he now has three kids that aren't living with him full time he can't be on the other coast working and and you know and doing all that for a football season they would never see him as in never uh as it is now jack will fly down or you know they'll do stuff together and um so to me, if he, it seems more likely he'll play, number one. And number two, if he does play, I, I just don't think we can est- underestimate the relationship he has with the Glazers, et cetera. And if it's not Tampa, wouldn't Miami still make the most sense since that's where his wife is, his children, and they got a hell of a football team. And we don't know the status of Tua Tungabaloa, who might not play again. Who's to say? Or maybe Miami moves on from him. Um, but, boy, can you see, can you see Brady in the pocket, distributing the ball to, you know, to Cheetah and, you know, all the receivers that, you know, Waddle and all the guys they have down there, it would be, it would be pretty cool. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say that I've been told not to discount the Bucks and the home field advantage they have with the Glazers and we'll go from there, but that's if he's going to play. I mean, look, he waited till February 1st, a year ago and then, you know, signaled right away. And the one thing he said he wouldn't do on his podcast was he's not going to make a decision. It's kind of like you run a marathon, right? It's like 26 grueling miles and your feet are blistery and, you know, all the stuff they've been baked and all this stuff. And you, you get back, you know, and somebody says, Hey, you're going to run a marathon again, right? You're going to run one, right? You want to run one now? <laughs> like It's just not going to happen. <laughs> like you need some time, man, to take a step back. But I think at the end of the day, he'll, he'll listen to Steve Young. He'll listen to guys that have, he listen to himself. He knows what he went through when he retired for 40 days. He clearly still had football in him. So, um, 
The only thing that would change, I think, as far as like, you know, maybe he would be that rare athlete that would walk it off if the confetti falls on his head. He didn't do it in 2020. He, of course, got greedy and wanted another one. Um, but if it fell on his head this time, maybe maybe that's what forces him to walk away. But no, I just think that I've just kind of been told it's evolved. My feelings evolved that. You know what? Where is he going to get a better deal? Like, where are you going to have more control over personnel? Where are they going to uh, tell you you can take 10 days off if you need it or you can go to Bob Kraft's wedding? Like, I, I can't remember. Choose your own coaching staff to some degree. Not every organization is willing to do that. And I think Tom is smart enough to know that he's got the run of the mill here in Tampa Bay. So I just feel more confident than um, if he if he does, you know, decide to uh, to come back and play that, that maybe it's here. All right, we got lots more mailback questions. We'll hit those up tomorrow. If you have more of them, uh, you can tweet us at SportsDayTB or at NFL Stroud, or you can email Rick at rstroud at tampabay.com. We've got questions on tomorrow's show about Kyle Trask, about Lovey Smith. Uh, I've got a raise question or two in there as well. Uh, Byron Leftwich question. So we'll get to all those tomorrow, plus us and more. Awesome. Awesome. We'll do it all. We do it all. And remember to support our folks at May Electric, too. Um, if, seriously, if you want to save money on your electric bill, consider solar. Consider May Electric. They've been in business for 30 years. You get all kinds of perks. Seven year, uh, a thirty-year warranty. You get seven hundred fifty dollars worth of surge protection. Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar at seven two seven eight one nine two eight six two. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.